Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by two-time NCAA champion, two-time Stanley Cup winner, 17 years in the NHL, one of your favorite all-time Dallas stars. He's Craig Ludwig. How are you, buddy? I'm better than you. It only takes me one take to get going. It took you a couple <laughs> you know, this morning. I should have left that in because I think people would have I know, appreciated that. I know you should have. Yeah. Can we yeah. can we just tell everybody what you did? <laughs> I started to flub up and uh yeah, I just threw the F bomb hard. Oh, it was hard. It was hard. <laughs> because there's so many accolades, you know? I mean, because in my mind, I'm like, why did I throw out Stanley Cup champion before NCAA champion? And then I flubbed that up. And yeah, I should have listened to you and I should have left that in. That would have been a that would have been a tremendous start to the podcast. Yeah. Anytime you say, fuck me, it's really good. <laughs> that is that is uh, that is true. All right. We got a lot of stars to talk about, but a few things. Craig played in the alumni game last Saturday. And we were excited to find out how Craig did. And he hosted a, a forum of Edmonton Oilers and Dallas Stars uh, for people there. So a great day. And uh, how did Mr. Moderator do? And then, you know, how did you do lacing them up? Uh, we were good. The I'll tell you what. We, we do a uh, little deal on these things usually when we have this uh, – alumni setup where the stars are playing an afternoon game we go on after they're finished and um but but i'd say about an hour and a half before the game starts for the dallas stars that past one was at two o'clock we do a a little round table and um <clears throat> you know we try to get uh, as many guys as we can uh from the opposing team whoever it is and then we usually get uh, well darian hatcher this year ed belfour marty turco uh, we're up there, but you know, we were, we were fortunate to have some, some hall of famers up there. Craig McTavish, uh, Kevin Lowe, Eric Cole, who had played here before Chris Joseph, who was a former number one pick overall. Um, and you know, it's funny, like I, I kind of, I introduce them and I kind of have them sit down in that order and, and then I'll kind of start and kind of finish with, you know, I usually finish with Eddie or Hatch. Um, <clears throat> but you know, this year having Craig McTavish and, and Kevin Lowe, uh, I think we had sitting up there, we had like 15 or 16 Stanley Cups between the group. And <laughs> Lowe and McTavish have 10 of them. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but, but you know what? It went very well. And, um, Ryan Mers, who's uh, the managing managing director with uh, Bank of Montreal, um, uh, you know they they have their a lot of their people there, and uh, you know, they're they're a big part of what we do. Um, but it went it went really well, and uh, you know what I say is, and, and Bobby Bass and our alumni director, we were talking about it yesterday. Um, you know, it went well because these guys are, they're so accommodating with stories. And I do a lot of stuff, you know, same as anybody would, you know, just kind of leading up and getting a couple nuggets from each guy. And, um, which speaking of, of that, I was talking with Eric Cole, he's got a couple interesting stories about, you know, being traded at times and the one yeah. in Dallas and, uh, you know, one other one. And I kind of left it with him and I said, man, uh, how did you guys enjoy the, uh, NHL all-star game this year? You know, because they kind of, as you know, they kind of went back to the to the original or some of the older, you know, things that they did. The, 
you know, hitting the targets and the fastest skater and stick handling and all this other kind of stuff. And I, you know, and, and Connor McDavid actually had, what did he have a 13.4, I think was his, yeah. his time of skating a lap. And I just said to Car- uh, to Eric, I said, well, what did you think of that? Cause Eric Cole was a, a very powerful fast skater. Very. Said, what, what'd you think of that? And he goes, man, well, anyway, going back to when Eric Cole had played for Edmonton of a short stint, they did, they have these days, some teams do it. They'll have the, you know, just kind of a fun day. They'll, they'll, they'll take their players on their teams and, and at a practice or something like that, they'll go through the NHL, uh, course, you know, all the things that they, they do. Well, when they were back at the Rexall arena, the one prior to, you know, what they're playing in now, Eric Cole's time of doing a lap was 13.1 Connor McDavid's, uh, you know, different setup is 13.4. So it, it just kind of tells you, and 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 that was probably the biggest ooh <laughs> from the people that were sitting there, because everybody obviously knows Connor McDavid and how fast he is, and you know being a dominant player in this league. And then you've got a guy sitting up there that n- not the same circumstances, different building, but you know the buildings are the same size. So you make a lap, you make a lap. So it just kind of tells you. But once you get uh, Craig McTavish and Kevin Lowe, who's done everything. I mean, he's won everything you can possibly win in the game along with six Stanley cups. Um, and they like to, they like to share. So it becomes very interesting, um, e- event. So it, it goes over very well. We had a good time <clears throat> and the game game was the game, but we did lose. So that's the first time in a long time, I don't know if we've ever lost at home and, uh, which is okay because we beat the Oilers all the time in the playoffs, but at least when I was playing, so, uh, they owed us one, but, um, but anyway, you know, they, they the teams aren't 100% Dallas stars alumni and 100%, uh, Edmonton Oilers. So, oh, there goes a the chopper. Yeah. Uh, they're probably looking for me. Um, they're, uh, <clears throat> You know, what happens is that they don't have enough players and we take some of our alumni guys and um, not current or uh, Dallas Stars guys, guys that play in our alumni and, and we'll sprinkle them in. You were, you were at the SMU event yep. when we played SMU. And so s- similar kind of thing. We have some some guys that are, you know, good hockey players that skate with us at times. And, and so we just kind of spread them out. Eric played parts of three seasons with the Stars 2012. 2020- 2012 to 2015, I remember watching him, and I loved his game. I loved that he had that perfect combination. He was a power forward, but he had great speed. Um, And then he got traded to Detroit, and that was the trade that brought us Matthias Yanmark. So kind of of, of interesting, Matthias Yanmark and a second-round pick. Um, But, yeah, I always liked Eric Cole's game. A lot of years in Carolina, Montreal. Um, so that's, uh, that's cool that, uh, you know, it was, a, it was, a, it was a good game. And then the other night we had a dinner as part of Jared Sandler's Sandlot charity. They auctioned it was a off. De- hey, let's call it what it is. It's a Dean Martin roast. If people aren't <laughs> familiar with Dean Martin roast, you need to go back and look at him. And so I become Dean Martin and, and the, the people that, you know, roast get up there on, yes. you know, and they take shots at him and our roastee. Is Gavin Spittle. Yes, yes. It's three hours of me just like spinning around similar <laughs> to a it. pig on a roast where I just sit and I take it. And absolutely. So thanks to, I guess, no thanks. So the backstory was is that I was, I wanted to bid on this because I wanted it 
so that I wouldn't get roasted and it would just be me and Craig at dinner. Or I'd just tell Craig, take the night off and I'd get a free dinner to myself and I'd find someone else to go with. But unfortunately, Big E outbid me. But you got to admit, by this whole dinner is really catering to you. I mean, it, so we go to this really, really nice restaurant, Musume, and it's, you know, Beautiful. basically sushi and they've got everything. But sushi is their, you know, their their go to. Right. And so all the plates come out and it's an unbelievable display of everything you can imagine. Amazing. And what, what were there? Seven of us, six of us, something like yeah. that. <clears throat> but. But then we have to have special plates. We have to have special food, and it can't be this, and it can't be that. And the poor waiter's got to describe everything different for Gavin so he can have his specialty food mm-hmm. because he's this and he's that. And and he has to have a special sake. And so it really does become the Gavin show for a while. Listen, listen. As a fellow athlete, Craig, you can understand your body breaks down. <laughs> and so with my years of tennis, my body broke down. And so therefore I have to I had to go on a different nutrition plan. And it has uh, given me a lot of relief. Mm-hmm. Former athlete. The, the, the former grade school tennis player is now considers himself a former athlete. 2018 Hall of Fame. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I I lobbied for myself, but yeah, I got in. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was a good dinner and that was really cool. And I did want to talk about one of the stories that came out because, you know, what I love about the Craig Ludwig dinners is stories just start flying. And one of the stories was Pat Burns was a former coach of yours and that people that don't know, Pat was a coach for the Canadians. He coached for the Bruins. I believe he coached for the Maple Leafs as well. Um, mm-hmm. Pat Burns was a former police officer and then became a head coach. So he had the means, right, Craig, to make sure that you guys were behaving. <laughs> well, they're not necessarily to make sure that we're behaving. I mean, it. <clears throat> it is about hockey. It's about your game. It's about the team. Um, you know, so I wouldn't say it's necessarily about, about that kind of stuff. But yeah, Bernsey was the perfect coach for for us at that time in, in Montreal. And, and by the way, he did. He also he was in Jersey, also um, Jersey, Boston, yeah. Toronto, really Montreal. good coach. Um, but anyway, you, f- you forget the city where he wins the Stanley cup. And, um, <laughs> so good point when, when Bernsey would have meetings and I can't speak for all the other players. I, I was just telling the guys, I mean, my meetings with Bernsey and, and, um, being a former police officer for something like 17 or 18 years, I believe in Montreal, you can imagine the connections that they have. Um, you know, between undercover guys and, and, and regular people and restaurants and bars and everything, you name it. Um, <clears throat> he had a handle on everything that we did on and off the ice and probably for him more importantly off the ice. And I would say importantly for us too. And so <clears throat> there were times when, um, and there was a particular playoff game, 
Uh, he called me in and I, 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 if I remember right, we won the game and I, I was okay in the game and you know, you, you get the little poke of a head in after, after you're all sitting there after a playoff game and, and the coach says, Hey, come on into my office. And that's never really a good thing. <clears throat> so I, um, uh, go in, he's sit down, sit down and talk for a minute or two. And he goes, well, how, how do you think, you know, your game was tonight? And you tell them and, you know, not bad. You don't ever kind of go over the top and you don't try to undersell yourself like that. And, and then he goes, um, what did you do last night? Like the night before the game. And I said, well, and he goes, no, what'd you do? And, and I, you know, I, I knew that, you know, they know a lot. And so I just said, I was, I was at this place and I was at that place. And he goes, you make it in for curfew. And I said, well, technically I wasn't home for curfew, but um, you know, I was out of the establishment that I was in by curfew, which doesn't mean you're in for curfew. And he proceeded to tell me exactly what time I left there, how many Molson Goldens I had. And, um, and then he also said, what about Peter? And I was with uh, a former player of mine and he was also a defenseman and Peter Svoboda. Um, and, and he said, yeah. Uh, because I, Peter, what now that I, I'm telling the story wrong, but Peter was in there with me, and so we were in there talking about it. Well, so he decided to rattle off how many packets of DeMaurier cigarettes Peter ordered or, or bought while we were there. Um, you know, so that was it's an eye opener when all that kind of stuff happens. But what it, what it is is he's he also knows now going back and 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 then moving forward after the days when you're there and you talk about these stories he knew that we would probably tell this guy and that guy and this guy, and then it would spread through the locker room. And at the end of the day, what it does, it's like, man, these guys got, he's got eyes in the city. And, you know, that was his way of letting us know, um, we know where you are. And, um, and he ended the meeting with me. It wasn't much of a meeting. I mean, everything was good. We won the playoff game and he goes, he goes, okay. And we, we kind of got up to walk out and he just says, Hey, Luds, and he looked at me and I said, yeah, coach. And he goes, do it again tomorrow night. <laughs> In other <laughs> words, go back out tomorrow night, do the same thing that you did because he had a good game. And, and that was the kind of guy that he was. There was another playoff game went in there. Um, I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it was a playoff game or not, but it could have been a regular game. He, he Same thing. Motioned me in, sat down, had the TV sit in front of him, pops in a tape. And which usually means that you're going to watch your shifts and all this other kind of stuff. And so he just starts looking at it and he's smiling. I'm going, well, this probably isn't going to be a bad meeting. And um, he turns, uh, he turns the monitor around and it's him water skiing. <laughs> and, and he knew that I had a water ski school uh, in the summer. When I go back to Wisconsin, a friend and I, you know, we had a water ski school that we did for two, three months and taught kids how to ski and all that kind of stuff. And so anyway, that, that was the kind of coach that he was. And, and I just think that once you get to know, the personality and and who they are as importantly as they need to know who players are <clears throat> on and off the ice. You, you seem to, well, at least I did. I, I appreciate the job that he had to do in a city like Montreal, but then when, you know, because they, they give you shit when they have to give you shit and it's a job they have to do and you can't take it personally. And you know, when it's coming from a guy like that, it's deserved. And, and, you know, so, so anyway, I, I, I think I've tried to do that. Um, coaching U 18 guys, um, try to be honest with them. We had a, you know, we had 
one or two kids in yesterday and same kind of thing. You know, you, you spot things and you ask them questions and how come this is happening and, you know, what do you, what's going on when you're not here at the rink and, and stuff like that. I don't, you're not, it, it's not like the Spanish inquisition or anything like that, but you're just trying to ask some questions and see how much they open up. And then, then they leave and all of a sudden you can go, well, now it makes sense. You know, this is why he's playing this way. And, and so, um, you know, it, it's the personal side of things that you, and again, I, there's more and more that today than there used to be. It used to be, you just come in, you get screamed at, you have a good game. It's all good. You have a bad game, you skate and, and then it's rinse and repeat. So, but Bernsey was one of the best for sure. You know, it's interesting because I think of you in today's modern social media and what would be the perception of Craig Ludwig as compared to because I, mean, I don't get on it and no I, I, know, I know I know but I mean you you won't admit this but you were a glue guy you were a big room guy but you did like to have a good time as did a lot of the players so I mean different time and I bet players would have adjusted like today's players have adjusted but at the same time you know you went out and everything like that and if 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 people see players out and about all the time it all of a sudden turns into they don't care they're not playing hard enough they should be practicing etc. Yeah, you know, and it's about the team too. I mean, you know, the teams that we had, all the teams that I've been on were really good and in, in, in that's, and, but what you do is, you know, there are guys that don't go out or, you know, don't go out the same amount that, that you may go out and you just, you don't try to drag them along. You, you learn that early. And, you know, if, if we go out five days a week, they may go out one and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that they're, they're not part of the team. Because it's really at the end of the day, it's more important what you're doing for the three hours that you're between the doors and and between the rink and there, the locker room and the ice. That that's the important part. It really doesn't matter what happens off the ice as far as uh, being a teammate. I mean, you try to include everybody, and you know if there's things that you can tell something isn't going well with a player, then you want to go out and have a beer and let's talk about it. If you can't talk to coach, let's you know because we are a family. <clears throat> that's the only way that you win those kind of things. You can't be a bunch of individuals, and so. Um, yeah, I mean, we it, like I said, it, it's just it was a different time, and we've talked about this a lot. Um, but but when you spend this much time um, with each other, you have to find things that you have in common, and you have to find ways. If there is a little bit of a, a riff between a couple guys, you got to figure it out because you know you can't have that that stuff in the locker room. That's why I was a guy. I mean, for me personally. I, the, the, the rule of thumb for a period of time was you either live by the airport or you live by the practice rink. Cause those are the two places you spend the most time at, you know, you're going to the airport all the time, you're traveling, you're getting on a plane and all this other stuff, or you're at the practice rink, you know, and in the game, they have a lot of, you know, now there are a few rinks where you actually practice there, but because of concerts and all that kind of stuff, you have your own rink and it could be 15, 20 miles away, but you spend more time there than you do driving downtown, for instance, at American Airlines. So I don't know where the guys live now, but but that was kind of the rule of thumb. But I never lived by either one of them. I always tried. I found out where, you know, most of the guys are living, and I live someplace else because I was just the kind of guy. I had friends outside of teammates, and you know, but but there were you know four or five of us that were rolled together all the time, and regardless of where you lived. Um, it was just a little further drive home for some guys, depending on where we'd go. But, but I just, I, I wasn't one that wanted to, when, when you come off the road for, you know, four or five game road trip and you've been gone for six, seven days or what it may be, 
I don't want to wake up in the morning. And when I open up the door, you know, there's Matt Pachucker Hatcher getting in his car, you know, right next door. That just wasn't me. Yeah. But a lot of those guys all lived next to each other, but I had friends outside of, of, of the, of the teammates. So the other aspect we were talking about was the call up of Logan Stankoven. And we mentioned at dinner, the trade of Joe Newendike for Jerome McGinley. And I had forgotten, and so I went back and did some research, knowing that we'd talk. Because I had asked Craig, as a player, do you know about these prospects coming through your system? And Craig, you had answered that, no, we, you know, the current guys in the room are the current guys in the room. Um, with modern technology, I just wondered maybe does that change? But that was a holdout by Joe Newendike in Calgary, and he held out until December. And when he was traded, the Stars immediately signed him to a deal. So Jerome Ginla was drafted that year. So the Stars, it, it was a little different scenario where Stankoven has been in a training camp uh, with the Stars. So, you know, there have been a couple of years where he was part of the organization. So that's that's the difference as far as the familiarity with Nginla to Stankoven. But you said regardless, Craig, you know, you guys don't really pay attention to prospects coming through the system, right? Well, I don't. Uh, I mean, again, when you think about it, if they're not – picked in the again today's different than you know back in the day but but if you're not selected uh and being anywhere between first overall to 10th overall you know there i don't think there was a there was never a really big threat that you're going to even play with those players you know because you never know if you're going to be around for two years five years ten years and so you don't really worry about it because uh, at least you know the systems that i came in and in montreal especially when i started you, for the most part, everybody did their time, you know, they did, they, they did their time in the minors. And so unless they were, you know, that rare player that could step right in at 18 years old or 20 years old, whatever it may be in play. And, and so they, you know, they went to the minors for, so you'd really, and I didn't, I never didn't, I couldn't even tell you the score of one of their games. Cause it was for me, I had to just worry about my thing. I wasn't worried about anything that I had no control over. And so I didn't have a clue what, what the minor league team scores were, if they were in first place or last place, I had no idea if the third round pick number 72nd overall defenseman, what he was playing like, I had no idea. So, um, and like you say, modern technology, now everything's out there. So it's almost hard not to know something for these guys. And these guys here live on their phones. You know, like I said, I don't, when you bring up the whole social media thing, I, I don't, for the most part, I don't ever say anything because typically, and I, I've gotten a little bit better. Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to tweet something out there, I don't tweet it right away. I have in the past and, you know, Kim will give me shit about it, but, but, <laughs> but I kind of sit there and go, no, yeah. I no, just, no, don't word. No, don't do that. And then it always, uh, usually it ends up, no, just don't do it. I'll read stuff, but, but I don't, I don't interact because I'll, I'll probably lose, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say something at the wrong time and it's probably, you know, and again, today, everything you say today seems to be the wrong time and place. So yeah. it's just better for me to, to, to lay off that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So one thing that I don't know if you ever think like back in the day, but the other th aspect I was thinking of after dinner the other night was, you know, guys like Wyatt Johnston, Connor McDavid, 
you know, obviously high draft picks, but then guys, it's very rare for guys. We talk about Stankoven. He went into the, you know, down to the AHL. Maverick Bork is lighting up the AHL, but had a, a slow first half and really learned the game uh, with the Texas Stars, and he's ready to come up as well. And I was just amazed because I think back and I said, boy, I'm going to ask Craig this. Were you surprised that you went straight from the NCAA into the NHL? Because, you know, Kale McCarr did it, UMass, straight in, but Jake Ottinger had to go through the minors. You know, the majority of players will have to go through some kind of minor league system. But were you surprised on a team like Montreal that you just all of a sudden, have you ever looked back and said, wow, I I can't believe that happened? Uh, I I don't do that because I... I, I I think at the time I was just a day-to-day guy. I never really looked back. I didn't look forward. I I tried to, you know, get to the rink, do what I was supposed to do for that day, practice, and then the game, do what you're supposed to do. And then if a phone call came at night or in the morning saying you're getting sent down, then you get sent down. I, I, I mean, because I went, I mean, when I left school to go there, I was, I was completely 100% that I was going to the minor league team. I never expected to start in Montreal. First off, never, never expected it. So I was prepared. I was ready, um, to go and, uh, whenever, and then, you know, you, you get through the first cut and the second cut and back then training camps are not like now where there's three days and you play an exhibition game. You, you're there for two weeks and, you know, and you kind of get integrated into the players and, but we had, again, I, it's probably where where my everything comes from me as far as when I was a player um, with teammates as you get older. Like you make sure that the young guys are are taken care of and, you know, if they can't find their way around, they're looking for this. You let them know where to go. You take them there, that kind of thing, because that's what these guys did with me. And I'm talking about Hall of Famers like Bob Ganey and Larry Robinson and Guy Lafleur and Steve Shutt and guys like that that were, Hey, let's come on. We'll take you over there. You need a TV. I'll take you to this guy. You want guys want a bed? I'll take you there. What do you want? What kind of beer do you drink? I'll take you there. So, you know, and what happens is you just, you keep your mouth shut and you don't say, as a matter of fact, Chris Nyland, one of the toughest guys to ever play in the NHL. um, And to this day, he calls me the same thing. He called me Gabby. That was my nickname in the locker room was Gabby at the time because I never said a word. I didn't, I didn't talk. I just kept my mouth shut. I did my job and, you know, and that was my first, I don't know, couple of years, two, three years. And then, and then you get, you know, I, I had Bob Ganey one time. He just, and it's probably my second or third year. I don't remember what else. And, and Bob was always teaching, uh, you know, Bob was a hall of famer and the, the Selkie. I mean, basically invented the award for him as the best defensive um, forward in the NHL. Um Carbos won it like three times and let's. And so anyways, um, Ganey grabbed me one day and he just kind of said, and I, we were probably sitting in a, you know, bar after practice or whatever, and having a beer and a sandwich and whatever. And he goes, how come you never say nothing? And I was like, huh? And I'm thinking, dude, I'm like my second or third year. And we got, I'm sitting in the room with seven hall of famers for the Montreal Canadian. Nobody would say nothing. And he goes, but I, he, I think Bob was always, like I said, he was always coaching, always teaching, and he sees things in players, and he goes, why don't you ever say anything? And I, I kind of said, well, there's a lot of big voices in here, and he goes, I don't think that's what it is. And, and Bob was, 
Bob could be hard to talk to because he thinks about things before he says them. And there's, there's that pregnant pause and, and you're going, Oh man, I said the wrong thing. And he goes, I don't think that's what it is. And I said, Oh, okay. And he goes, I think it's because you're afraid. And I was like, I'm not afraid. He goes, no, you're afraid to say something. He goes, because when you say something now you become, and you have to be accountable. So if you want somebody to finish their check or pucks need to get in, then you have to make sure you do it all the time. And I was like, no, that's not the truth. I didn't say that out loud, but I said that to myself. I'm like, this guy's wrong. I mean, I'm, you know, so anyway, it was his way of probably bringing me out of my shell and making sure that I did start to speak a little bit more in the room, you know, because it was more penalty killing things and whether it was blocking shots or finishing your checks or getting to the right opponent and getting to that guy and making it uncomfortable for the night. And, and if somebody else didn't do it, that was supposed to do it, or that was supposed to be part of doing it, let them know, because that's what we do. You know, we're family here and we'll get, we'll get, we'll get through the good stuff and the bad stuff, but we all have to be on the same page. And, and so that's why I said I, and then I probably started to talk a little bit more. And then I probably became a little bit more of the group. And it was never like they didn't invite you to everything that they did. But, you know, you're again, I, like I said, I didn't plan on being there um, right off the bat. Um, so uh, there was just you can tell that when you're in those kind of rooms with those kind of players. I mean, you could have a monkey come in and coach. And as a matter of fact, we did one time and we won a couple of them. So but but the players really ran the room. And or, or the leaders, I would say, land, ran the room. And when certain coaches would come in and give their, you know, a, a talk that, you know, they needed to give at that time, but they didn't say the right teams, they would, you know, the doors would be closed as soon as they walk out and go, no, no, just don't forget that. We know what we're doing here. We know how to do it. And we'll, you know, we know what our goal is. And we know that we need this guy, this guy, this guy. So I kind of learned that stuff when I got there early and, and so, um, anyway, that, that's kind of way it worked with me, but as far as, you know, I, I, you know, then you start getting into your third and your fourth year and, you know, you're becoming a bigger part of the team. And then you, th then I think that thought of, you know, getting sent down, not that guys can't get sent down in their third, fourth, fifth year. Cause it happens, you know, not all the time, but it happens. But I just, I, I tell players all the time when the way that I played, I felt that when I played game four or game 54, my objective was to play that game. So when I walk into the, the room tomorrow morning for practice and, um, and you know, your names are on the board, who you're going to play with, or you, you have Jersey color but my objective was to have my name on that board the next day. And I played that way game 200 game, 500 game, 1200. I approached it that, you know, I was not, I was not one of those kind of players. Like you're not taking Rupa hints out of the lineup or you're not taking Miro out of the lineup. Cause he had three bad games. My, where I played and how, you know, what I, my role if I had two, three, four shitty games in a row, absolutely they could take me out. I knew that. I knew that when I was in college. I learned that in college. And um, and so I just played for, you know, that game. 
and did enough that I felt like I was good enough. And I did what I was supposed to, to have my name on, on the sheet to play the next game. That was kind of how I approached every game that same way from day one to, you know, day 1200 and whatever I played. Can I take a guess at the monkey? Or uh, sure. Wanna, well, that's you because sure? you're sitting there. It, it's pretty simple to figure it out. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be Ken Hitchcock. And now you've gone through hockey DB be and you're going to come up with what's the name? <laughs> Jean Perron. You got it. <laughs> Why you got to call me out? Why can't you just give me credit for hockey knowledge? Because I know because you're sitting there. I can hear I can hear the keyboard. <laughs> you're typing. Man, I'm trying to I'm trying to build some like you know hockey. It's process swag of elimination. When I say we won it with a Stanley Cup guy, and you know how I feel about Ken Hitchcock, so I'll yeah, cross that one off. The I list. did. Let's go back to 1986. <laughs> Who was the coach? Craig's giving this great answer. I'm on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I was trying to improve my hockey swag.